joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writers. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. What's up? Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Chicago Sound Alliance, I'm your host Nick Schultz here with you for another hour taking you up to Bears kickoff from Soldier Field. The Bears taking on the New York football giants today and we've got a lot in store for this show. Again, got a full hour ahead and a lot to talk about because it was a huge week in Chicago sports. Like I, I think it's up there with like a historic week. Absolutely insane. Starting with last Sunday... I got off the air at noon and watched the Bears game. Bears were sluggish for three quarters, and that's putting it nicely. Putting it very nicely when I say sluggish. But then the fourth quarter came around, and they came back to beat the Lions at Ford Field. And then after the Bears game, Alec Mills threw a no-hitter for the Cubs at Miller Park. And then the White Sox swept the Tigers. It was an amazing day last Sunday after I got off the air. And then the week goes on. The Sox are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2008. I've seen all the stuff on social media of what were you doing in 2008. Well, in 2008, I'm pretty sure I was in 5th grade, 4th grade, 5th grade, something like that. Yeah, lots changed since then. So I'm going to dive into everything White Sox because they've clinched a playoff berth and they're closing in on the division too. And also, the Cubs are closing in on a playoff berth, and possibly the division. I'm going to talk about all that. I'm going to dive into more of the Alec Mills no-hitter and how much of a surprise that was. was, I definitely didn't expect to see that after the Bears game. And I'll talk more Bears, obviously. Week 2 is here. Bears-Giants coming up today at a fanless Soldier Field, which is very weird. I've seen the pictures from the different reporters on Twitter and it's eerie looking at a fanless soldier field an hour before game time. So I'm going to talk a lot about the Bears. And I'm going to get to a topic I didn't get to last week was the Bulls coaching search. Because I wanted to talk about Billy Donovan becoming available. But now this week, we had a, a change, I feel like. We had a new front runner come into the conversation, and it's someone we've mentioned on the show before. I'm going to play the clip from my interview with Rob Schaefer from a few months back and find out a little more about this candidate that could be coming to the forefront, who I think is now my top choice if the Bulls don't go after Billy Donovan. And more Bears off the field to talk about. Tariq Cohen got an extension last night about midnight. What about Allen Robinson? We've been clamoring for an Allen Robinson extension for weeks now, and Tariq Cohen got one last night. And some actives and inactives coming up because there's a big player active for your Chicago Bears today. But the lead today has got to be the White Sox. All season, I've been talking about how this team is absolutely loaded. And even last year, I said this is going to be a really, really good year for the White Sox. I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series. I haven't said that at all. I've said they're going to win the division, and they're going to take a huge step forward, and next year's going to be their year. Well, here we are, September 20th, 2020. The the White Sox have clinched a playoff spot, and their magic number for the division is five with eight games left 
Yeah, there are only eight games left in the season already. That's crazy to think about. We all knew the 60-game season would be a sprint to the finish line. But now that sprint is almost over. And if you blinked, you missed it. And this team is exciting. And like I said, I'm just so... I'm ex- I'm, I mean, I'm a Cubs fan. I've always been a Cubs fan. I probably always will be a Cubs fan. But I watched the White Sox, also because my dad and sister are Sox fans. And now that the White Sox are doing well, there is an excitement building around that team. And I know because I'm picking up hours at a country club half hour away. And it's kind of split on baseball fandom. Some Cubs fans, some Sox fans. But the Sox fans are really excited right now. And they've even said, I haven't been this excited about Sox baseball in years. You're seeing a lot more White Sox hats. You're seeing a lot more of the White Sox on social media. ESPN is starting to notice the White Sox because they seem to forget that there are two teams in Chicago. Jose Abreu needs to be the MVP. There is no doubt in my mind that he should be the MVP of the league. And all you have to do is look at the numbers. My man has played 52 games, and he's got 52 RBI. That's really good. And I'm not a mathematician, but I could tell you that's an average of an RBI a game. So yes, Jose Abreu should be the MVP, no question in my mind. I know people are talking about Mike Trout, and people are talking about some other players in the AL. There is no one else who should be the MVP but Jose Abreu. The only other one I could think of is Tim Anderson. Because Tim Anderson's also having a lights-out year again. He's going to be in contention for the batting title. Once again, that'd be a repeat as the batting as the batting champion in the American League. Actually, I think last year he led the major leagues. He's batting 366 right now. <clears throat> That's also really good. Now my worry with having two candidates for MVP on the same team. Actually, I shouldn't even say two candidates. Two front runners for MVP on the same team is that I'm worried they'll split the votes. And if they split the votes, then someone else is going to win and then Sox fans are going to get angry. And rightfully so. But that's the one thing holding me back from you have a clear front runner on this team is that you got two of them. <clears throat> and the, the voting for MLB awards is flawed, I feel like. Unless, the Hall of Fame is more flawed. But MLB awards, you got to... You've got these writers who, they, I mean, you, you see people on Twitter, they're going for Mike Trout. You hear Mike Trout, you got the name recognition of Mike Trout. Well, and then you get the guys like Jose Abreu, who come in and <clears throat> kind of surprise, the, take the league by storm. As a, it's a surprise. And there are these candidates that, okay, they should win, but you don't hear enough buzz about them. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me. I don't have a cough button because we're working remote. So you're going to have to deal, deal with this. So I, I apologize in advance. But getting back to the point, you, you watch Jose Abreu play baseball. And you can tell he, he's having fun. And when he comes up, you expect him to do something special. And I want to take you back to this past offseason because his contract was up. And there was talk of, are they going to bring back Jose Abreu? He said he wanted to come back. But the question was, are they going to bring him back? And it went back and forth. He had people, I think the majority of people thought he should come back. But there was just the uncertainty of if they were going to pay him. Best thing they did was bring him back. I know they went out and got Yasmani Grandal. I know they went out and got Dallas Keuchel, who's been amazing. I know they signed Luis Robert to a contract and brought him up. But if they don't re-sign Jose Abreu, we're not talking about a playoff berth right now. Because 
Jose Abreu has been here throughout the rebuild. He was one of the original building blocks of this team. And to bring him back for this season, when the White Sox were planning to contend, and I think everybody knew this year they needed to contend, or else they were going to take a step back. And they solidified that when they went out and got Grandal and Keuchel. To bring Abreu back brought in more of the leadership because he's been through this. He's been through the downs. Now he's here for the ups. And you're seeing that pay off because having him as one of the original building blocks and now having him succeed and help lead you to the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. Well done. And Sox fans are understandably very excited about this. And it, this is great for the city of Chicago because you've got two baseball teams in town that are going to the playoffs. It's virtually guaranteed, especially with the way the playoffs are expanded this year. It's basically guaranteed that both teams are going to the playoffs. Remember when the White Sox started 3-11? and And we were all sitting here wondering, okay, is this team for real? Did we overhype them? I know uh, Joe Ostrowski over at 670 The Score was wondering if the hype around the White Sox was similar to the hype of Mitch Trubisky for MVP last year. What if I told you they were 31-7 and since? That's the best record in the American League right now. If the season ended today, which that's weird to say because it feels like I'm talking about, like, it feels like I'm talking like it's July. <clears throat> but if the season ended today, the White Sox would be the number one seed in the American League. Yes, they're a year ahead of schedule. This year is not supposed to be the World Series championship year in this rebuild. That's next year. But I've heard people on the radio talk about they're ahead of schedule and they're, they're not going to win the World Series. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing to be a year ahead of schedule and be in contention for the World Series. Like, I don't understand. Like, people were talking about it being a bad thing. I'm like, I don't know why. You can be a year ahead of schedule and win the World Series. I mean, I still have my opinions about Ricky Renteria as the manager, which I've said on these airways many times. But you know what? If they're going to do it, do it. Who cares if they're a year ahead of schedule? That just makes next year that much more important. Because you've got your core of Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Nick Madrigal. You've got that core. Now the key is going to be getting them even better and getting their best out of them. And there's going to be growing pains this year. Like That's why... They're a year ahead of schedule. Yeah, you got to deal with the growing pains. Like Nick Madrigal struggles running the bases. They're a young team. You got to expect that. But you know what? Enjoy the ride. I mean, this is this is something special. We're seeing a guaranteed rate field at 35th and Shields. I wish, I really wish fans could be in attendance for these games. Because I know my buddy and I were going to try to go to as many games as we could. Before the COVID-19 pandemic started and everything got thrown off. Yeah, we were going to get, I think, 10-pack of tickets or something. And try and maximize that. We were going to try to go to guaranteed rate as much as we could to watch this team. And hopefully we can get fans back in the stands next year. Because next year is going to be even more fun. Because this team's going to be another year older. They're taking another step forward. And frankly, they should be in serious conversation for the World Series. We don't know if we're going to get a full season next year. We don't know what's going to happen. There's tentative spring training schedules out now, which is a little bit of hope. But now, we got to watch on TV, got to listen to the radio, and rally around this team. Even, like, if you're a Cubs fan and you're angry about the White Sox succeeding, you're doing it wrong. I'm a Cubs fan, and I'm all over this. This is exactly what we need right now. We need two solid baseball teams. Because when the two teams are good, 
the fandom explodes. Chicago's a football town. It always will be. I mean, I even asked last Sunday, Alec Mills threw a no-hitter, and the Bears came back to win, and I wondered what would lead sports on the news. And I put out a poll asking it, and people thought the Bears would lead. Chicago's a football town. But when the Bears are playing, like they will be in 45 minutes, and you have two solid baseball teams playoff bound, sports fandom is going to be through the roof in this city. I can't even say in this city. I'm broadcasting from home. But you get what I mean. The point still stands. To get angry or not root for the other team in town is just not right. Like, I could say something else, but I, I can only say so many words on the air. My, my choice of words is limited. But root for each other. I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan, but I'll want the Sox to win unless they're playing the Cubs. If it's Cubs-Sox... Well, yeah, don't root for both teams. But if they're not playing each other, why not? This series at the end of the year between the Cubs and the Sox is going to be amazing. I'm just telling you right now. Because they're both playoff bound. It's the last series of the season. The last three games of the year is Cubs-Sox. That's going to be so much fun. That's all I have on the White Sox. I know it's not doesn't seem like a lot. I only went for about 15 minutes. But the hype is real. And I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. Let's move on to the Bears. Because there's a Bears game today. And they had a big game last week. Well, okay. They had a victory last week. Let's put it that way. First three quarters, I wanted to throw my shoe at the TV. Mitch overthrew this guy. They couldn't get anything to go through. They didn't have a first down. All I wanted was a damn first down. They just were sluggish. Sluggish. It wasn't good. And they were down 17 points going into the fourth quarter. And we're thinking, okay, they're going to lose to the Lions. We're going to be hearing about Nick Foles all week. Should Nick Foles be starting? That's what we're going to hear about. And all of a sudden, the Bears came to life and won the game. And of course, the narrative for all the skeptics, because as people listening probably know, Mitch Trubisky is Mr. Popularity. Everybody loves him. And I'm saying that sarcastically. The, the reaction from fans was, oh yeah, they won the game, but Mitch still stinks. Alright. That attitude. Take the win. You know what? Say what you want about the kid. He threw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Was he bad in the first three quarters? Yeah. No one's discounting that. But you can't overreact by saying, oh yeah, well he, he still stinks. No, stop it. I've heard that, I think it was David Kaplan, it was probably David Kaplan, on the radio, talking about how if you're a Bears fan wanting Mitch to fail, you're not a Bears fan. And I mean, it's, if you're a Bears fan, you need, you want your team to succeed. Say what you want about the quarterback. Like, when Jay Cutler was the quarterback, and I know Jay Cutler was just as popular. Did I think Jay Cutler was a bad quarterback? Yes. Did I want him to succeed? Yes, because I wanted my team to win. I don't get these people who are like, oh, Mitch is a bust, so I want him to fail. So Nick Foles will start. I don't understand that logic. Like, you should be pulling for your quarterback to do well. And what you saw in the fourth quarter, okay, you should be happy. I mean, a win's a win. Should we? I'm not saying we should discount those first three quarters, because if we get that again today, we got to have a serious conversation here. But I have a couple keys to the success of Mitch Trubisky. It's only two. Keep it short. Run and don't 
think. What do I mean by that? Last week, there were times when Mitch would settle into the pocket and he'd try and find a receiver to overthrow. But when he rolls out, he can use his legs and he's more effective. That said, he needs more confidence in his legs because there was one play, I can't remember when, but the Bears had the goal line in sight. They were, they were marching down. They had the goal line. I think they ended up scoring on the, on the drive anyway. But Mitch, he took the snap, back out of the pocket, he was rolling out, and he had wide open field to his right. All he had to do was run, and he'd have been in the end zone. And he ended up passing it, and I think he... Uh, un, undoubtedly, he probably overthrew the guy. That's probably a good guess for what happened. But he should have used his legs and ran into the end zone. That was the thing he didn't do last year. And I talked about this last week with Cheryl Ray Stout. And you can find the interview, Apple, Google. It's now, the interviews are now on Google, by the way. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But Mitch was dealing with that shoulder injury last year. And that kind of took his confidence in his running game out. Because he was worried he was going to hurt that shoulder again. And didn't run. Well, now he's got that shoulder fixed. And he's got... What was it? The hip pointer he got during the Rams game last year? I mean, he's healthy now. So, he needs to use his legs. It's okay to use your legs. I know Matt Nagy is all about passing, passing, passing. Doesn't know how to use a run game very well. Which needs to change. More on that in a second. But, number 10 needs to use his legs and run. Like, roll out. Don't be afraid to use your legs, 10. And now, the other key is hurry up. The reason Mitch does well in the fourth quarter, at least he did last week. Let me, let me use an analogy here. I'm a golfer. Well, I try to play golf. I wouldn't say I'm good at it, especially after the way I played yesterday. But when I, when I go golfing, and when I golfed in high school, I was very much in my head. And what I mean by that is I thought too much. I'd let a bad shot get to me, and I'd get up to the next shot, I'd be thinking too much and hit another bad shot. And it would pile up and pile up and pile up. It was a head case. But I do better when I just step up to the ball, take maybe a practice swing, address the ball, boom. What Mitch needs to do is a similar thing. When he's on the field, he can't take too much time to think. He, he, does, he does well in two-minute drills. And I, when I say, I use well loosely. Let me just make that clear. I'm not saying he's off the charts in the two-minute drill, but he's more effective in the two-minute drills and when the hurry up and when he's, when he's moving because he doesn't have time to think. He just goes. That's why I say, don't think, just do. His brain gets in the way. It's very similar to my golf game. Like, my brain gets in the way, I get inside my own head, and I, I don't do well. That's what happened yesterday. That's what Mitch has. He gets in his head. He, he, he thinks too much. Yeah, he's just got to get the snap and go. That's what you saw in the fourth quarter. He was hurrying up because the Bears had to score a lot in a little bit of time. And that's why they won that game. Other than the Lions' defense fell apart, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is there are ways for Mitch to succeed. He's just got to maximize those ways. Let's move off the field. Because... Last night, I went out with a few friends. Obviously, socially distanced, following the precautions. And we're at the bar, had a couple drinks, and I checked Twitter, because that's what I do. I check Twitter. And I see a tweet from Adam Schefter. The timestamp on this is 11.51 p.m. Like The guy's a machine. And it says, and I quote, Chicago is signing running back Tariq Cohen to a three-year extension worth $17.25 million in new money 
5.75 million per year with ability to be worth 18.25 million at 6.093 million per year his agent tells ESPN his agent's Drew Rosenhaus deal includes 9.533 million fully guaranteed and a 12.033 million max guarantee look this is great I'm glad they extended Tariq Cohen where the hell is the extension for Allen Robinson and that's what my friends and I were talking about. I showed them the tweet, and they're like, why? What about Robinson? What about AR? This has been an ongoing saga all week, and it's been very fun to follow. Because, like I said, I'm working at the golf course four days a week. I work Tuesday through Friday this week, and this whole thing started on Tuesday. So I'm home from work and listening to the radio, because that's what I do. I was listening to the score. And... I hear Danny Parkins talk about a tweet from Brad Biggs saying Allen Robinson requested a trade. We've been following these negotiations. This was another topic I talked about with Cheryl last week. And all along I've been saying just extend the guy. Extend him. Extend him. Extend him. And obviously it's not that easy. But when I see Tariq Cohen get an extension, I'm like, wait a minute. But then Brad Biggs says Robinson requested a trade. And we're in panic mode. We're like, oh, oh, here we go. The Bears' top offensive weapon is wanting to leave. He's wanting to get out of town. But later, we hear from ESPN, I think it was Field Yates, that said, well, hang on a minute. What happened was... Robinson's agent said, if you're not going to extend him, you might as well trade him. That's a big difference. <clears throat> that is a big difference. Yeah, that... I... I that's a big difference. I can't express how much of a difference that is and how much better it made me feel. This is all part of the negotiations. Negotiating contracts is like, you, you don't like to see the sausage made. It's all part of the negotiations. I mean, yeah, this all came after he scrubbed a social media of anything Bears, which is similar to what Jordan Howard did. And that sent fans into panic mode already. But when Brad Biggs dropped that, yeah, there was a little bit more, a little bit more panic there. But yeah, huge difference between those two. But Allen Robinson's playing today. There was worries about a holdout. It, was, it wasn't pretty last week. And obviously, and I, I, mean, I don't know if you know this, but Bears fans tend to overreact. Yeah, Bears, have, Bears fans have a tendency to overreact. And seeing that, yeah, there was a little bit of overreaction there. And myself being one of them, just because the knee jerk is, uh-oh, here we go. But the extension's still in the works. It sounds like he wants to stay. I heard that on the pregame show today. I think Jeff Joniak said that. But Tariq Cohen got an extension last night. And I, I even tweeted when I saw the news. I'm like, do Allen Robinson next? And I got six likes on it. <laughs> and my, my buddy Jake Fogel over at the Vedette at Illinois State student newspaper down there said, do Allen Robinson first. Oh, wait. Hasn't been a pretty negotiation. But I'm, I'm confident they'll get something done. They have to. they got to pay the man. And, but, yeah, the Tariq Cohen news last night, it was official today. The Bears tweeted it official just as I was coming on the air. But that's got to that's gotta happen soon. I don't know what that was. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM WUW, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, while well, currently broadcasting from the Schultz Sports Cave in Dwight, Illinois, also known as my detached garage at my house. I can't take calls. Obviously, we're doing all the shows remote this semester here at WLUW, so we have no access to the phone lines. But if you want to chime in on the conversation, tweet at me at NickSchultz underscore 7. If you don't follow me, you should. I'm a fun follow. At least I think I am. I try to be funny. And I got a lot of Bears hot takes. 
couple more things on the Bears here. Uh, actives, inactives came out today, and Robert Quinn is playing. If you recall last week, Robert Quinn didn't play. He's been dealing with apparently an ankle injury. You know, he was the Bears' big signing this offseason, had a mystery ankle injury. So he didn't play last week. Now he's playing this week, which is good. That's a huge boost for the defense. Khalil Mack is also active. And I bring that up because he was limited in practice on Friday. So Khalil Mack isn't fully healthy. And I feel like that's getting kind of swept under the rug with the Robert Quinn situation. And Akeem Hicks Hicks had an illness last week, it said on the injury report. But he's, at, he's active today. I think he's okay. But between those, like people forget that Khalil Mack is not healthy. He's not fully healthy right now. And I'm not entirely sure what the uh, injury was. Let me double check real quick. On uh, the injury report, Khalil Mack's got a knee issue. So yeah, he's, he was listed as questionable for today's game. Now he's active. But yeah, people need to... When people talk about the defense last week, the defense didn't look good. The Lions kind of pushed through them. The defense looked sluggish, but they got to remember, they didn't have Robert Quinn, so Khalil Mack was double teamed already. But now he's not fully healthy? Yeah, that's going to lead to some problems on the defensive end of the ball. Hopefully today's better. Because the Giants, statistically speaking, had the worst offensive line in the game. And you saw that last week against Pittsburgh when Saquon Barkley had 15 rushes for 6 yards and this fantasy owner was sitting here screaming at his phone. That was my number one overall pick in my draft. I had the third overall pick. And I took Saquon Barkley. And he got me, I think, 5 points. It was ugly. Last week. And that's because their offensive line sucks. It's bad. So that's why today, if the Bears don't manhandle the New York Giants, I'm going to set the radio on fire next week. This is not a good team. Their offensive line is bad. Their quarterback is okay. Their defense is okay. This should be... A really good game for the Bears. And I'll get my score prediction at the end. Like I did last week. But. This is not a good team they're going up against today. Like I said. If you haven't watched highlights from last week's game. You got a half hour before kickoff here. Go back and watch some. And be prepared. Because it was not good. I mean I lost my fantasy league. Because Saquon Barkley had a dud. And they're saying today he might have a chip on his shoulder after that, and rightfully so. So it's a double-edged sword for me. Like, I want Saquon Barkley to do well, but also I want the Bears to win. That's the joys of fantasy sports. But that's what we're looking at today. Like I said, the Bears should... It should be a cakewalk. It's not like the Giants are the worst team in the league, but they're not a good team. They should win this pretty easily today. But we'll see. we got 25 minutes till kickoff. It's going to be interesting. We'll see which Trubisky shows up. I do have some Cubs stuff I want to talk about. I might say that for the end. Because, I mean, outside of the Alec Mills no-hitter, which was impressive last week, that was an incredible performance. They're closing in on a playoff spot. They've won five straight this week. But they're not like, I mean, the White Sox are obviously the news in town. But I think the Cubs might be finding their stride, but there's not really a lot to talk about there. I might talk about a little bit at the end. But I do want to get to the Bulls coaching search because I didn't get to talk about it last week because we had a lot jam-packed for week one. So a couple weeks ago, Billy Donovan, was the coach of the Thunder for the last five years. His contract expired, 
and they decided not to bring him back. So now, in the instant thought was, okay, do the Bulls go after him? Well, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out that the Bulls were expected to have interest. And that woke up Bulls' Twitter immediately, like, whoa, that'd be good. Like, definitely go talk to him. Now, keep in mind, they were wrapping up the first round of interviews to fill Jim Boylan's spot. When this all went down, when this all went down, this is two weeks ago now. So they wrapped up interviews. Well, I hope they talk. I haven't heard anything more if they talked to Billy Donovan since then. Definitely keeping an eye out, though. But this week, we had, I, in my opinion, a new frontrunner come forward. And I want, I want to play a clip here. So a few weeks back, I talked to Rob Schaefer at NBC Sports Chicago. And this was the day after Jim Boylan was fired. Like, I want to make that very clear. This was literally the day after he was fired. And we talked about a couple early candidates for the job. And I asked him straight up, I'm like, okay, who are your favorites right now? It's 24 hours. And he brought up Kenny Atkinson and Wes Unseld Jr., and here, I, I, I want to play this clip because it kind of, it aged pretty well for the reasonings here. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. You brought up Atkinson and Wes Unseld Jr. as your top two. If you're Arturis Karnaschovas or Mark Eversley, who's your top choice? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I honestly would have to flip a coin because I've really been thinking about it. And then I, I, I love each of them. And I, and I like them for, you know, kind of slightly different reasons. Put on the spot. I probably go Atkinson only because he's a little bit more proven. And I just see a lot of parallels between where the Nets started and where the Bulls are right now. Um, in that when Atkinson took over, he installed a, a similar offensive system to what the Bulls have right now, you know, very three-pointer heavy, rim attempt heavy, um, not much uh, of a mid-range game. Um, I, I think there's overlap there. And, you know, their offense, they were never a prolific offense before they had the stars on board that they have. And obviously their stars were hurt this year. So I'm hesitant to judge too much based on how they performed this year. Um, but I, I see a lot of consistency there. I see the fit uh, with Chris Fleming as an assistant. I know a concern um, that was uh, reported uh, along the, the Jim decision timeline was, well, what happens to the assistants? If we fire Jim, they were just hired last year and kind of brought in. Um, the Atkinson-Fleming fit uh, might be a little bit more seamless there. So I, I think that could be a factor. Um, so I, I probably lean Kenny uh, by a hair right now just because of that proven experience and the potential synergy there. Um, but Wes Unsell Jr., man, I couldn't say a bad word about him from everything I've read uh, and kind of consumed so far. Um, and obviously, he has the Nuggets tie with Karnaschovas. So for that reason, I think he's a, he's a serious candidate to watch. But um, definitely Atkinson by, by a hair right now. And it's, it's very early. We're, we're, are we even 24 hours into this? We are 24 hours into this. It was yeah. early in the morning on Friday. But um, yeah, it's early, but it's, it's fun to think about, to be sure. So that was Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. That was a couple weeks ago, talking about how Kenny Atkinson is his front runner, but Wes Unsell Jr. wouldn't be a bad hire. And this week, the Nuggets were down 3-1 to the LA Clippers. Now, Wes Unsell is an assistant in Denver, and he's the architect of their defense. Well, the Nuggets came back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the Clippers. And I do have a message here from the former co-host of the show, Daryl Horowitz. So, Daryl, thanks for still listening, man. Hope you're doing well down in Charlotte. And he says, for my two cents, I don't think I'm interested in Unsell Jr. Obviously, I haven't interviewed him, but I've watched a lot of Denver basketball because of Michael Porter Jr., and I don't think they play very good defense at all. The Clippers lost because their stars stunk when it counted, not because of good D. I might lean to Dan Craig from Miami because of a bit of history with a few coaches there and how they play the game on both offensive and defensive ends of the court, though Butler didn't show yesterday. You know, I, first of all, and thanks for chiming in, Daryl. Appreciate it, as always. But, I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Denver basketball, to be honest with you. I mean, I watched the highlights of, like, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and all them. But from what I've read and from what I've heard, Wes Unsell... He's a great basketball mind, and he's he, the thing that attracts me to him is his age. I'm a big fan of 
young coaches with young teams. Because they relate to each other. And what also bodes well is Michael Malone's the head coach of the Nuggets. And he said to Woj at ESPN that Wes Unsell Jr. quote, made an even stronger... Or no, that was Woj that said that. Uh, Michael Malone said that Wes Unsell Jr. deserves to be an NBA coach. And Woj said that Unsell Jr. quote, made an even stronger case for the Bulls job. And the series went over the Clippers. When I interviewed Rob, I said Wes Unsell Jr. is probably at the top of my list. Right now, he's number two to Billy Donovan, because I think Billy Donovan would be an amazing hire, adds some much-needed credibility to a position that's lacked credibility since Tom Thibodeau was fired, which don't get me started on that. I miss Tibbs. I might be in the minority on that, but I miss Tibbs. But I like that Wes Unsell Jr. is defensive-minded. It reminds me a lot of Tibbs. And plus his background. I mean, his dad is Wes Unseld, who passed away earlier this year. But his dad is Wes Unseld. He's got relationships with Arturis Karnaschovas. So Karnaschovas knows what he's capable of. This isn't like a random guy that they're pulling out the street. No, this is a guy Karnaschovas has worked with in Denver. And I think taking a chance on a young guy like this would be good. Because I, I really think there's a connection between a young coach and a young team. No, they're not going to compete for a finals right away. Like, that's just not going to happen with this roster. Granted, Karnaschovas can easily overhaul the roster. And the draft is coming up in November is what I've heard. I've heard the date that they've decided on is, what, November 18th or something like that? And the Bulls still have the number four overall pick. So there's a lot to change with the roster makeup. But as we sit here now, looking at this roster, that is not a championship caliber roster. So it's not like they're going to bring in a coach and they're going to immediately contend for a title. No, it's going to take some time. Now, bringing in a defensive-minded guy like Wes Unsell would be good because I know Jim Boylan, he tried to be defensive-minded, and I, I remember when he benched Zach Levine for three egregious defensive mistakes and didn't say what those defensive mistakes were. But I, I digress. I don't want to. Li- I don't want to relive that nightmare again. <laughs> I want to look at. I want to look at the positives here because this is a good time for the Chicago Bulls. I don't need to get bogged down in the in the bad. But I, th- I think watching this series between the Nuggets and the Clippers. Yes, you can say all you want. The Clippers wanted to go home. They packed their bags. They had their bags already packed. They didn't want to be there in the first place. But to come back from a 3-1 deficit, and, I mean, the first things you heard were Wes Unsell Jr., Wes Unsell Jr., Wes Unsell Jr. And I'm really glad that my, my poll that I put out asking if he, would, if he became a frontrunner for the job aged well and wasn't just another one of my hot takes like let me, let me pull that up I want to get the results here so I put out this poll the night the Clippers lost the night the Nuggets won the series and I said legit question how much did this series help Wes Unsell Jr.'s chances of becoming the Bulls head coach and let me tell you it was a big sample size all of 30 votes. <laughs> All of 30 votes in this poll. But 63% said a lot. 27% said a little. And 10% said not at all. So three people said not at all. But then I see Woj's tweet saying Denver assistant Wes Unsell Jr. architected Nuggets defense, an incredible comeback versus the LA Clippers, made an even stronger case for the Bulls job. Chicago's EVP, Arturis Karnaschovas, already thought highly of him working with Unsell in Denver. Michael Malone said, quote, Wes Unsell should be a head coach. And I agree. I mean, he's got a... The basketball acumen there is amazing. And it's so... It's what you want to... I mean, he'd, he'd bring in credibility like Billy Donovan would. I mean, it show, he'd show they'd be serious. I mean, the thing with the Bulls 
the thing that we, how do I put this? The, the thing with the Bulls in recent years is that when they'd commit to something, like a rebuild, you wouldn't know if they'd be serious about it. I turn to, think back to last year. It's 2019. And we, we were still hearing about, oh, well, the rebuild was doing well until Derek got hurt. That was seven years ago. That was two rebuilds ago. Two failed rebuilds ago. Now, those talking heads in John Paxson and Gar Foreman are gone. And I, I, keep, I feel like I say that every week, but it, I had to keep saying it to realize it's real. Because like, it, it's still crazy to me that they finally got rid of them. But they're gone. And Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are in. So, bringing in a younger guy like Wes Unseld Jr., he can be a player's coach. And that's what the Bulls need. They haven't had a player's coach. That's where the league is going. Say what you want about it. And I've said plenty. I, I have my issues with like the basketball philosophy of when in doubt, shoot a three. It's why I stand by the fact that the WNBA is better fundamental basketball than the NBA, even though people vehemently disagree with me. I stand by that. Because the NBA is just chuck up a three. But the player's coach aspect, that's attractive for free agents. Free agents want a coach who's going to be like, okay, what do you want? And when I say free agents, you've got to think I'm talking about Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis is a Chicago guy. He's called Chicago the Mecca of basketball. And I asked him about it once, and he said it's because it is. Like, look at the history. He's a Chicago guy. He doesn't want to come home, or at least he didn't, because the people point people in the league point to what happened with Michael Jordan. And if you watch the last dance, which won an Emmy last night, by the way, if you watch the last dance, and I hope you did, you found it goes back to Jerry Krause, how they broke up that team after '98. That's still leaving marks in 2020. At least it was until the Bulls overhauled their front office. Because the Bulls were still operating like it was 1998. They needed to modernize the front office, and they did. Now they need to modernize the head coach position. And that's why a Billy Donovan would be good. That's why a Wes Unsell Jr. would be good. That's why a Kenny Atkinson would be good. I have no doubt that Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley will find the right guy to be the coach. I don't think we're going to be disappointed in who they choose as head coach. Like we were when Garth Foreman handpicked Fred Hoiberg to replace Tom Thibodeau. And like we were when they handpicked Jim Boylan to replace Fred Hoiberg. Talk about laying two eggs. Now, you've got a guy in Karnaschovas who's very meticulous. He, he will take his time. He will do his homework. And say what you want about how he handled the Boylan situation. He did it the right way. He took his time. He saw the whole field. He, you, you play a game of chess. You see the whole board. He, he took his time and saw everything before making that decision. He's going to do the same thing with, the, with replacing Boylan. He's going he's gonna to see everything in front of him. And I think he's going to do the right thing. And whether it be Wes Unsell Jr., Kenny Atkinson, Billy Donovan, whoever. Or who did, who did Daryl say? Who did Daryl suggest? Dan Craig, whether it be him. I think they're going to find the right guy. And I'm excited for it. I mean, the fact that we're talking about a young, up-and-coming coach in Wes Unsell Jr. possibly coming to the Bulls and... Woj saying he's making his candidacy stronger. That should be exciting as hell for Bulls fans. Because we haven't had a young up-and-coming coach interested in the position. You can say Tom Thibodeau was, but he's been in the league forever. 
But you got a young guy, a talented guy, and I, I don't think they should let this pass. And I'm hoping he made it through to the second round of interviews. I'm not sure if we've heard an update on that yet. I do know, I know Joe Cowley sat down with Kobe White, and Kobe let slip like they're narrowing down the list on Friday. Well, that was two days ago, and I haven't heard anything, so I'm not sure if anything came out of that. That's going to be a big offseason. And obviously with the bubble still going, with the playoffs going on right now, you're not going to hear anything. Because I want to say there's, like, I hate to bring up the, these two words, but there's like an unwritten rule about announcements during the playoffs and stuff like that. So who knows if we're going to hear anything anytime soon, but if they're looking at guys in the bubble, you can plan on not hearing anything until after the playoffs. But man, this is exciting. What an exciting time at Chicago sports. I mean, you've you got two baseball teams going to the playoffs. Bears are playing football in nine minutes. The Bulls are going through an exciting coaching search and a revamp of their front office. What a time. This is, I mean, you hear the excitement in my voice. Like, I mean, usually I'm coming on here talking about the Bulls, and I'm like, oh, they, they ticked me off again. Are you kidding me? Like, this one, just when I'm getting excited about them, they, they bring me back down, and, and then I'll be ranting about the Bears and ranting about the Cubs. But there's not much to rant about. Well, there is, but it's a good rant. Like, that's why when I didn't have a guest this week, I'm like, okay. It's, it's okay, I got, a lot, I got a lot I can talk about. Because this is so much fun. And you see it on social media. Like, Chicago sports fandom is there. Yeah, last week Bears fans weren't happy with the first three quarters. But you know, when they won that game, people were excited. They felt something again. And that's what we needed. This year has sucked. 2020 has been bad. And that's putting it lightly. That this year has just been bad. It's been a bad year. But now for Chicago sports fans, we got hope. We got something to look forward to here in the Sox, Cubs, Bears, Bulls, even the Blackhawks. Granted, the Blackhawks need to make some much-needed changes, but that's neither here nor there right now. I want to focus on the good. There's a lot of good in Chicago sports right now. And I'm excited I get to talk about it every week still. I mean, I still don't have a, a big boy job, as I call it. Which, if anyone knows anyone needing a sports reporter, sports host, like, holler at your boy. Uh, but I, I still talk about it every week, even working from home. And it's, it's one of my favorite hours of the week. It might be my favorite hour of the week. Because I get, to, I get to talk about it. And it's just, I'm loving every minute. And I hope you are too. Because this is just a great time to be a fan of sports in this city. Like, it's been 12 years since both baseball teams were in the playoffs. The Bears have a really good chance to start 2-0. And if they don't start 2-0, I'll be really angry next week. The Bulls have a chance to totally up their profile and get back on the stage and get back in the limelight. You gotta, as Tommy Hotovy says about the Cubs, to jump on the bus... When they're winning games, jump on the bus, man. And if anybody from another city looking at you, New York, wants to jump on the bandwagon, like, we got room. Everybody hop on. That's what White Sox fans are saying. They're like, okay, you're hearing about us now. We got room. Hop on the bandwagon. Hop on the Chicago sports bandwagon, baby, because this is fun. Like, I had trouble. I was doing show prep. I was writing down some notes. And I'm running, I'm running out. I'm like, I, don't, I can't talk about everything. So great. I got about five minutes left, so let's go back to the Bears real quick because obviously, again, taking you up to kickoff, Bears-Giants from Soldier Field coming up at noon. The game's on CBS today, by the way. It's not on Fox. And I've got it up on my screen here in my the Schultz Sports Cave in the upstairs of my detached garage. We got a little setup up here. It's our little game room. As I call it, I got my little table here with my picture of Bobby Jones in front of me, my favorite golfer of all time. And coming to you here, I got the game on my TV. I'm excited. There's football. And this game, as I said, 
This should be a cakewalk for the Bears. Last week I said the same thing, but the Giants are worse than the Lions. I think Trubisky is going to come out better today. I'm not sure how much better. He can't get any worse than he did in the first three quarters last week because it wasn't good. But they're going up against Daniel Jones, who, I mean, I, I use this term a lot, but he's kind of a meme in a way. Like, <laughs> you see him and you kind of, I can't take him seriously. But this should be a good game today, depending on how they can contain Saquon Barkley, which, if it's anything like last week, they should have a pretty easy time containing Saquon Barkley, and then this fantasy owner is going to come here, come in here next week and set the radio on fire. Because I'm going to be really angry if I lose in fantasy again because Saquon Barkley had another dud of a game. But I'll also be happy because the Bears would have contained him and won pretty handily. but they've got to just get first downs in the first three quarters, please. I don't want to be angry about the lack of first downs in the first three quarters. Like, it's not, I, I just just one. Just one and I'll be happy. It's like, like the Cubs when they won the World Series in 2016. Just one and I can die happy. Just give me one first down. At least look competent on offense. And the defense the defense should mow through that offensive line. Like I said, the Giants' O-line is atrocious. That's a big word for a Sunday morning for me. But they're just... God, it's not good. And they should just plow through. I mean, if, if Akeem Hicks doesn't plow through that line, if Khalil Mack, if even Robert Quinn, if they don't plow through that line, we got to ask some serious questions. I mean, we're going to be asking serious questions anyway because the Bears fans overreact about anything. Like, I mean, people focused still last week on the first three quarters. Like, no, look at all four. I know you can't get past the first three quarters and everything. But, I mean, you won the game. Like, take the, take the dub. And I don't, want, I don't want to hear any more about, oh, yeah, we won, but Mitch still stinks. Be grateful he succeeded. And, I mean, I defended Trubisky. <laughs> Last year, until I couldn't anymore. And I joke about, oh yeah, Mitch is going to win the MVP this year. Like, no, he, he's not a good quarterback, but he's what we got. And you just got to, you hope he succeeds for the sake of the team. And I mean, we've seen he can succeed. It's a matter of if he will. I'm taking the Bears 24 to 10 today. That's a that's a big margin, but I, I think I think the offense is gonna explode and maybe the defense will score a touchdown today. But that's where I'm going with Bears 24 to 10 at Soldier Field. Again, that's coming up in a minute and a half from Soldier Field. Again, I'm taking you right up to kickoff. As I will most weeks when, when the Bears kick off at noon, I'm taking you right up to kickoff here on WLUW. I'm excited. I'm glad football's back. It's something to, something to look forward to after the show on Sundays, too, even though the Bears make me angry all the time. And I've also I've got Bears content ideas coming as well. I know I, I've been teasing that the last few weeks, but I promise there's Bears content coming from the show. I've got some really good guests I'm trying to book in future weeks, so stay tuned to Twitter and everything. And, again, I welcome your feedback. If you ever want to chime in on the Bears, like, tweet at me. My DMs are open. Shoot me a DM. And we're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun these next few weeks. And, again, I really, I really wish I could take calls. But with doing the shows remote, I'm the only one who can be on the air. Unless I pre-record an interview, which I usually do. Yeah, I, I try to each week. So you don't have to listen to me rant for an hour like you did this week. But we got a lot of content ideas. We'll have some White Sox content ideas as well because they're playing well. Along with baseball playoffs, it's going to be so much fun. Like I said, this is an exciting time to be a Chicago sports fan, and I'm grateful you're spending the time with me, hearing me talk about it, and I'm just about out of time. So again, hopefully tune in next week, and I'll hopefully have a guest talking baseball, football, you name it. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. I'm signing off, and I will see you guys back here next Sunday. 
The Bears kickoff is coming up soon from Soldier Field. I hope you're talking about a Bears W next week. We'll see you then. Have a great week, everybody.